And God, we thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die on the cross. As my wife just sang that song, being able to shed his precious blood for me so I can have eternal life through him. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would have freedom and liberty, Lord, to move this morning within the service. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you'd speak through me. Lord, help me to say only what you won't say this morning. Lord, help our people this morning, the congregation. Lord, be attentive unto your word. Lord, I pray that they would glean something from it. Ultimately, Lord, we pray that you would just be high and lifted up this morning. God, I am nothing without you, and I cannot do it in my own strength. So I beg and plead for you to come and fill me up. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that you would work in the midst of us this morning. We need you, Lord, in a great and mighty, powerful way. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning and very quickly I want to draw your attention to a couple of words. I'll give you a couple of definitions here of some particular words that I want to pull out that stuck out to me and then we'll move right on, on down through here this morning. We only have three points this morning. Introduction is about as long as the message itself so we won't be here long this morning. This subject of time, uh, most of the time, uh, you know, when somebody says, hey, uh, I want you to be here at a certain time, usually we're in a rush to get there because we try to cram so much in before we got to be where we got to be. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, let's look at Sunday morning. Rewind your morning and something always happens on Sunday morning. Something will always happen on Sunday night and something will always happen on Wednesday night. Why? Because you're trying to do the will of God. Come to the church. Try to get something from God. And it is amazing. Anytime you try to do anything for the Lord, it seems like something happens that causes you you to be behind schedule or or put you farther and farther behind where you want to be. And if you're anything like me, I don't like being late. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I don't like being late. If anything, I want to be early. That way I can get familiar with my surroundings, especially church. I, I love getting here early, just being able to talk and, con and fellowship with one another. I, I don't like rushing in here at the last second. All right, preacher, what do we got to do? All right, we're singing this, we're singing that. All right, let's go. I'm like, no, nah, I want to get here early. I love the fellowship. I love to take my time here at church. I love to take my time uh, getting to where I'm going. I don't like to be in a rush. I like to leave a little bit early. Uh, sometimes Miss Karen would disagree agree with that because I usually pass her on the interstate and he goes, he's in a hurry. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but nonetheless, time, this thing of time, it holds us all, doesn't it? Time. We don't know how much time we have left. We don't. Amen. When we're born uh, in this world, we don't know when our time will end. Right. Right. That is one thing that we cannot stop is time. When you're here, time's going to tick. When you're gone, guess what? Time will continue to move on. Before we were here, God was already here. Hey, now, listen. Now, this thing of time constrains us. But the thing we need to re realize today, and especially reading our passage here, redeeming the time, something very important that I want to pull out. Let me give you a couple definitions and then we'll move forward here. If you look at that first verse in the 15, see then that you walk circumspectly. Now get this now. The word circumspect was borrowed from the Latin circumspectus from circumspere. Now listen, to be cautious. The basic meaning in Latin circumspere is to look around. Walk around circumspectly, looking around. Not looking, not looking in one particular direction, but looking around, being aware of everything that is going on around you. Now get this now. The, the, the near synonyms that go along with this is prudent and cautious. Through circumspect, get this, implies a careful consideration of all circumstances and a desire to avoid 
mistakes and bad consequences. Walk around circumspectly, looking around. The fool will make his decisions without looking at the consequences and the things surrounding them. They will make that decision in haste. And we can all raise our hands and say, at one time or another, we've made a foolish decision in our lives. Most of the time, if you can rewind, you can look at that time and point in your life when you made that mistake, when you may have messed up or whatever the case may be. You said the wrong thing. Uh, uh, You lashed out in anger when you should have. We all made a foolish mistake at one time in our life. And usually you can back it up. And that decision was made in haste, not considering all the consequences that are around, not looking around and considering everything. The wise will pay close attention to everything and weigh out every decision for the best possible outcome. And then they'll make the choice. That's what the Bible is very clear to tell us time and time again to to not act out hastily. To, to consider, to, to, to walk around circumspectly, to look at all the consequences, to look around and consider everything that is going around. The next word that I want you to notice here in your Bible is verse number 16, redeeming. And the definition here is to buy away from, to ransom, to redeem, to take full advantage of, seizing a buying opportunity, i.e. making the most of the present opportunity, recognizing its future gain redeeming. Get this now. And the Bible is talking about making the most of the day that is at hand because we know not how long we have to live. One thing we can't stop is death. One day you and I will die. Let's just go ahead and lay it out. We, we know that for a fact. But the one thing that we don't know is when we're going to die. We know one day we're going to die, but we don't know when. And James reminds us in James chapter 4 and verse number 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish away. It is but a vapor. You say, well, Brother Brad, how can James compare our lives to a vapor? You say, well, what if I live to be 100 years old upon this earth? And to us, 100 years is a long time. That is a long span of lifetime here on this earth. But compared to eternity, our life is but a vapor. Whether you live 100 years, 200, 300 years, compared to eternity, our life is but a vapor. It is here for a little time, and then it's gone. We're here, and then we're gone. And time continues to tick on. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. Happiness, sorrow, wealth and poverty, or life or death. Therefore, as we read Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 16, redeeming the time, seizing the day of opportunity that is in front of you and is in front of me, redeeming the time because we don't know when we're going to die. Therefore, we ought to take full advantage of the time that God has allowed us. Let me say that God has allowed us to be here because it is by the grace of God that we're still here. Every day is a gift. Every breath is a gift. Every breath that you take, every step that you walk, every mile that you drive, every place that you go is another gift from God. But are we really redeeming that time wisely? Are we really redeeming that time wisely in the days in which we live in? Let's read those verses again. Look at them. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. My, my, how this verse applies to today as it did when it was written. But so much more now as we see the days are evil. Another word I want you to look at is the word time. 
The word time is used in our text here. The, 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 the definition here is a fitting season, a season, an opportunity, an occasion, time. The Greek word keros, time as opportunity, meaning opportune time. Now hold on. It's derived from kara, meaning head, referring to coming to a head, to take full advantage of. It is the suitable time, the right moment. Redeeming the time. It's the right moment. It's now. It's, it's now or never. It's, it's we can't put it off any longer. Why procrastinate and put off when now is the time? Now is the time to do something. Now is the time in our lives when we ought to stand for God. Now is in the time in which we ought to do something for Christ. If you ever want to do anything, now is the time. Why? Because redeeming the time because we don't know how much more time we have. You and I might not make it through the service. We might not make it home. So why not take full advantage of the time that we have now? The Bible reminds us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and this will bring us right into our points this morning on redeeming the time. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verses 1 and 2. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Verse number 2, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day. Redeeming the time. Why, Brother Brandon? Because we don't know how much more time we have. Number one, very quickly here, as we get into this right here, the need of salvation. Number one, the need of salvation. You say Brother Brandon, come on. You're preaching this? Absolutely. I couldn't get it off my mind. I couldn't get it off my heart. Somebody here this morning needs to hear it. Somebody watching by way of live stream needs to hear this particular message for this particular moment. And God has brought you here this morning to hear this. The need of salvation. You say, well, Brother Brandon, I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus. <laughs> I've done good my whole life. I've never lied. I've never stole. I've never done anything wrong. Oh, hogwash. Amen. We've all done something wrong. Amen. Do we need to ask your parents? <laughs> Amen. Don't ask mine. <laughs> when they come visit, don't get no stories from my dad. I'm telling you right now. Dad, if you're watching, don't tell no stories. Well, we've all done something wrong. You say, I've never killed nobody. I, I, I've never done those heinous crimes. I, I've never went on a killing spree or crime spree. You know, it doesn't matter how big the sin is, but it's still sin. Do you realize killing somebody's a sin? Do you also realize that lying is a sin? <laughs> and guess what? They're equal. You say, whoa, now wait a minute now. No, 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 no. Hold on now. Get this. You say, well, killing somebody's up here. I just told a little lie. I just told a little lie so I wouldn't get in trouble with my mom and dad or with, with family or with, with the law or with whatever the case may be. I told a little lie. I didn't go out and kill nobody, brother. brother. I, I have not done that. Yeah, and you know who classified sins? Man. God don't classify sins one, two, three, four, five, six degrees. Man is the one who says, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And we're so good about looking at our lives and seeing how good we are and saying, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so down the street. I, I'm not as bad as my cousin. I'm not as bad as my brother or my sister. I'm not that bad. I'm good. Compared to them, you may be, but compared to a holy and just God who is sinless, we are all sinners. We are all sinners. 
Hey, now the Bible reminds us here all the way back from Adam and Eve. Listen, it started in the garden. Genesis chapter number two, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not have eaten. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And that is exactly what happened when they ate of that fruit. You say, well, now, Brother Brandon, he didn't die then. Spiritually, he did. Physically, he was still alive. Spiritually, he was dead. Sin came on the scene right then and there. Now listen, get this now. When Adam and Eve ate that fruit there, they didn't physically die, but rather their spirit was dead. And that relationship and that communion that they had with God was destroyed, was separated. Then death had to come upon the scene to atone for their sins. And henceforth, if you read any of your Old Testament, you'll see the sacrifices, the yearly sacrifice there. And that was to atone for the sin for that one year. But guess what? Because man is sinful, because you and I are sinful, guess what happens each year? There is another sacrifice and another sacrifice and another sacrifice. Innocent blood had to be shed because it started in the garden at Adam and Eve. But you say, that was Adam and Eve. That was many, many, many years ago. That's not me. I didn't disobey God. Hold on. What does the Bible say in Romans chapter 5, verse number 12? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. He said, Brother Brandon, you calling me a sinner? No, God is. I'm just a messenger this morning. Say, I haven't done no big crime. I haven't done nothing wrong. My friend, we're all sinners. We are all sinners this morning in need of a Savior. Listen, we have all sinned one way or another, telling a lie, cheating, stealing, lusting, coveting. We won't pause there for long. Coveting, amen. (laughs) It's hard to look at somebody else's nice house, nice car without going, man, ah, I want that. How did they get that? You get angry sometimes. They're envious. But we've all committed sins one way or another. That's why we are in need of salvation this morning. All of us, all of us are in need of salvation. Number two, very quickly here. We see the need of salvation because we're all sinners. And number two, I want to point this out. There are two places that we will go after death. And the choice is yours. It is not my choice, it is your choice this morning. The truth is this morning, there are two types of people in this world. They are saved, going to heaven, those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for their eternal salvation. Or number two, the lost that are on their way to hell, rejecting Jesus Christ, rejecting his love on the cross, rejecting his blood that was shed for them. Those are the only two types of people in the world. Skin tone makes no difference because Jesus died to save all. It doesn't matter your race or, or it doesn't matter your, your wealth. It doesn't matter how much, how much money you have or how much money you don't have. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. It doesn't matter what kind of house you live in. It doesn't matter exactly where you live. You're either saved this morning or you are lost this morning. And by that, I mean you either saved knowing that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can go back to a time, a place. And listen, I know you hear us say that all the time. But if something as big as salvation takes place, you ought to remember it. 
Wouldn't I, I mean, I could, I could ask anyone in here today, have you ever been in a car wreck and car wreck and many hands will go up and, and I can ask you details about that. And, and I'll say, well, where were you? Where did that happen? Uh, can you tell me the circumstances around it? And no doubt you can give me detail after detail after detail. Why? Because that was a big event that happened in your life. But my friends, a much bigger event is the day that you got saved. You ought to be able to go back and think, where was I? Who preached? What happened? I, what did I say? Did, was it, I mean, you can go back and give me the details of that because it was a big event. I mean, it's something huge in your life that happened. We knock on doors up and down, up and down Union Grove in Olin. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus? Oh, yes, I'm saved. I'm saved. Well, tell me about it. Well, I can't really remember too much about it. I'm not going to question that. That's between them and God. But I know for me, <laughs> I know the place. I know, I, know, I know who took his Bible. I know Brother Looney when he opened the Bible and showed me the Romans road. I know what happened that day when I cried my eyes out, calling out to God to save me, a sinner. Why? Because I realized my position as a sinner to a holy God, and yet there's no way for me to get to heaven but yet through Jesus Christ. And Brother Looney showed me the Bible there, and I got me and my wife both. Uh, both of us got gloriously saved right there in the office, uh, down there in pastor's study. I know the place. I know what happened. What about you this morning? Can you go back to that place, that time, uh, that event that happened? Listen, in Luke chapter number 16, take your Bibles and flip over there. We'll read a couple verses out of this. It's a very familiar story. Very familiar story about a rich man and a poor beggar. Luke chapter number 16, beginning in verse number 19. Luke 16, beginning in verse number 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass, pay attention closely right here, and it came to pass that the beggar died. And was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. For, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. I'm going somewhere. And verse number 26, And besides all this, there is a, a great goal fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to, to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, father Abraham, but if one went unto, unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, 
neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. We don't know how much time we have. I hope you've already made the choice to go to heaven eternally forever and ever through Jesus Christ. But if not, can I encourage you to pay attention closely to this passage here. Just within these few short verses that we read, four times a form of the word torment was mentioned. In this short passage here, the rich man lifting up his, lifting up his eyes, being in hell, being in torments in hell, a place where the fire is never quenched, a place of constant torments. I don't know about you, but I know I don't want to go there. <laughs> Amen. I don't know anybody in their right mind, and now let me emphasize right mind, that would want to go to hell. Nobody does. Do you realize even the devils themselves don't want to go there? Do you realize? Let me, let me show you this. Matthew chapter number eight. Matthew chapter, you're out there in Luke. Flip over there. Matthew chapter number eight. This place called hell, no one really truly ever wants to go there, although some friends may joke around, and I had some friends like that before I got saved, and they say, oh, we're going to have a party in hell. Hell's going to be a great place, and we're going to go down there and party it up and have a good old time. <laughs> Boy, are they mistaken, because the Bible's very clear to tell us that this is a place that no man wants to go, not even the devils themselves don't even want to go there. Matthew chapter number eight, look down at verse number 28. And when he was come to the other side of the country, the Gadarenes, there met him two possessed with devils. Our pastor preached out of this not too long ago. Coming out of the tombs, exceeding fear, so that no man might pass, that, pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, listen to the next few verses. What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Pay attention close. Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Art thou come, look at it, <laughs> hey, art thou come hither to torment us before the time? They themselves don't even want to go to the place where they're going. And as they cry out, they're like, wait a minute, hey, and now we're right here. We're doing good. Uh, I can't, can we, can we just stay here? Uh, it's not time for you yet. It's not time for you to cast us down in the hell, that place where, where there are constant torments and gnashing of teeth and, and the fire is not quenched. Uh, hey, we don't want to go there. Uh, can't you cast us over here into the swine? And Jesus eventually gives them leave. Because it's not time yet. Their time will come. But once again, we don't know when our time will end. And where have you settled your eternity? Have you already settled your eternity in heaven forever and ever? With Jesus living up there where there's no pain, no death, uh, no caskets, no leaving one another, good, no, no more saying goodbyes? Or... Uh, are you unsure and you haven't settled that eternity yet by trusting in Jesus Christ? There's only two places we're going. There's no gray areas. There's no limbo. It's either heaven or hell. Don't, don't throw rocks at me this morning, but it's either heaven or hell this morning, and the choice is yours. I hope you'll make the right one this morning. We recognize, number one, the need of our salvation. We're all sinners. There is none righteous. No, not one. And we must come to Jesus for salvation because there is no other way. 
Let me emphasize that one more time because if you listen to the media and sometimes if you get on Facebook and you listen to the wrong thing, there is no other way unto heaven but through Jesus Christ. In John chapter number 14, verses 1 through 6, Jesus tells us, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Hold on. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest and how can we know the way? Here we go. Verse number six, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is but one way unto heaven this morning, and it's not your good works this morning. There is but one way unto heaven this morning, and it's not being a member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. That won't get you to heaven. And there's one way unto heaven, and giving your money to the church is great, but it will not get you into heaven. Knowing that your mother and your father are going to heaven will not get you into heaven. Knowing that your brothers and sisters are going to heaven will not get you into heaven. There is but one way unto heaven, and that is through Jesus. Jesus Christ and a personal decision that you have to make. If I could make that decision for you, everybody in the world would go to heaven. Amen. And you likewise, you know family members and you want to see them saved and you want to see them go to the Lord and you want to see them get saved and have an eternal home in heaven. I have family myself that I want to see get saved and jump in and serve the Lord, redeeming the time wisely because the days are evil. And every day, men's hearts, I believe, are getting hardened and more hardened to this simple fact right here of salvation and redeeming the time. I believe we've heard it so much that a lot of people have just assumed that they're going to heaven because they've heard it preached so much, but they never truly believed in their heart and confessed with their mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Where are you going to spend your eternity, heaven or hell? The choice is yours this morning. Number three, very quickly here, and we're done. The time is not on our side. No matter how much we want to pause time sometimes and rewind times, we can't. We can't stop time. Time will keep on ticking. You can take a battery out of a watch and it will stop telling you what time it is. But time itself will continue to go on. 2 Peter verse number three and ten, uh, uh, chapter number 3 and verse number 10 tells us this. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The works therein shall be burned up. Works will not get you into heaven. Mm, works will not get you into heaven. It is a belief in Jesus Christ and what he done on the cross for you. Matthew 24, verses 40 and 40 through 44 tells us this, uh, Then shall two be in the field, and one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched listen to this last part, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, 
Be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. Amen. Two things this morning. Death is inevitable. We all will take our last breath one day upon this earth. Death is inevitable. It is a time that we cannot put on you and me. I don't know how much time I have left. I don't know how much time you have left. There is another thing that is not uh, time-wise that is not on our side. We don't know when Jesus will return. You say, well, 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 hang on, brother. I'm not comprehending. What I'm telling you this morning is we got two things going against you and I. And if we want to redeem the time wisely, if we want to take advantage of the day that we are living in now, it is knowing these two things, that one day we will die, but we don't know when. The other is Jesus is coming back, but we don't know when. Those are two motivators that ought to help you and I, Christians this morning. Those are two motivators right then and there that ought to get us busy for the work of the Lord right now. You say, I'll get busy when all this quarantining and all this stuff is over. Hogwash, get busy now. There are things that we can do right now that we can get the gospel out to many people, but we're not taking advantage of the time. You know what we're doing? We're saying, well, I'll wait. I'll serve him in a little bit. Young people, can I tell you this? Give your heart to lie, give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ right now and start serving him now. Yeah. Don't wait until you say, well, I got to get a license so I can drive the church myself. Hogwash, pick up the phone. There are people in this room that would come pick you up anytime that you need it. You're looking at one right here that will make a special trip if I need to, to get you into the house of the Lord and allow you to serve. Not just the young people, but older people alike. I classify myself in that older people now as I'm getting aches and pains, amen. <laughs> Back surgery at 31, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> but don't wait. Why? I'll serve him when the kids get older. When, when the kids move out of the house, they're not going to have more freedom. I don't have to worry about taking care of the kids. And then I'll serve God. Uh, not right now because I got, I got projects at the house that I'm trying to get completed first. They're, they're, they're my, my, my job, my career is taking a lot of my time, Brother Brandon. You don't understand. I, I got this great job and, and I'm doing very well and I'm moving up the ladder of success. My friends, all that works will be gone. No matter what you do, it will be burnt up and gone. And the only things that will last forever are the things that we do for Christ right now. Right now. Christians, you say, I'll put it off, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. When is later ever going to come? Never. Redeeming the time wisely. Listen up. If you're here this morning and you're lost, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, can I tell you, stop putting it off. Stop putting it off saying, I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time. I'm young. Brother Brandon, I'm young. I'm not even 16 yet. I'm young. I got plenty of time to get saved. Redeeming the time wisely because, number one, you don't know when your last breath will be. Young people die every single day. Young people die every single... You don't got to wait till you're 60, 70, 80, 90 before you die. Young people die every day. There are families that go out in car wrecks instantly every single day. Turn on the news, read a newspaper, you see people die every single day. Redeem the time now. If you don't know Jesus Christ, can I beg and plead to you today to come to find Him? He's the greatest friend that you ever have. He laid down his life on the cross of Calvary for you to have eternal life. You say, well, Brother Brandon, I got all, this, I got all these ambitions in life. My friends, 
Life doesn't begin until you know Jesus Christ. You'll think you got everything figured out because you're looking at one who thought he did. You got everything figured out. You got a good wife. Amen. I hope she's still in here. Amen. <laughs> you got a good wife and you think you got it all figured out. You got a house. You got a good job. Your wife's got a good job. You think you got it all figured out, but there's still one thing missing. And that was Jesus Christ in my life. I thought I had the great life, working Goodyear racing, had great friends, working for NASCAR, and man, just living it up, doing whatever I wanted to do. But I realized I was missing something. And my life was never complete until the moment at that church right down there when I bowed my head and called out to Jesus Christ to save a sinner, a sinner like me. Then something happened in my life. A great change happened in my life. And many of you can testify right along the great change that happened in your You won't know life until you know life through Jesus Christ this morning. Don't wait. Don't put it off. You say, I'll, I'll, I, Brother Brandon, maybe tonight during the service I'll come and give my heart. to No, because we don't know if we're going to make it back. Jesus could come before the service is over. You might take your last breath this evening before you make it back. Don't wait. Don't put it off any longer. Get this, we live in a generation of now. I'm done, I'm almost done. We're in the conclusion. I got conclusion written right here, okay? So we're done. We live in a generation of now. I want it now. I want it now. We want it fast. We wanted it yesterday. <laughs> we wanted it two days ago, you know? Before we realized we wanted it, we wanted it. Amen? But we live in a generation of now. And people really don't want to wait for anything. They want it now. They want it yesterday. You work in retail, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They wanted it now. What do you mean you don't have it in stock? You, you should have known I was coming in here a week ago to get it. You know what I'm saying? Can I get a witness right there? What do you mean you don't stock that? You knew I was going to need it. Yeah, you're exactly. Uh, but get this. A lot of people put off getting saved. Let me show you a little bit here. The people in Noah's day put it off. A lot of people today are putting it off, saying, I got plenty of time. You people are crazy. You believe that book? You believe, what they, you believe that this is God's word? Absolutely. You believe everything in there? Absolutely. See, the people in Noah's day, they put it off too. Noah began to build this massive ark. And the word of God says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was proclaiming God's word. Began to be obedient unto the Lord, unto God, and began to build this ark in this vast area where they've never seen rain. <laughs> I mean, think about it. There's, uh, there's no water close by, and he's here he is building a big old boat. Noah was building this ark, and every time Noah drove a nail or a wooden dial, I believe he preached a sermon. Hey, folks, you need to listen. Hey, folks, don't make fun. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Hey, every nail that was drove for 120 years, every nail that was drove, he preached a sermon. And no doubt people laughed, people mocked, people made fun of him, just as they do today. You believe the Bible? You believe God's true? You believe that Jesus really died for you? People mock then, people mock now. But in Noah's day, they learned the hard way. 
Every time Noah drove a nail, he preached a sermon and he told them about God and he told them about the judgment to come. It's coming. Listen, it's coming. It's coming. And we preach today, Jesus is coming. Listen up, Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, we don't know the hour, but we proclaim that Jesus is coming. And people laugh today as they laughed at Noah when he said the flood's coming, folks. There's something coming and you need to be prepared for it. They call, they made fun of Noah, they, they mocked him, they probably laughed at him, no doubt, as they go by, just like they do today. You mean church is essential? Absolutely. We need it. I need it. You need it. Why? So we can hear what God's word has for us. And the news media will make light of the gospel today and make light of God's people and, and, and they make light of God's word. And they laughed at Noah in that day. But there came a day when God said to Noah, go into the ark. Go in, Noah. It's time. He and his family went into that ark. And no doubt as he stood on the outside marching the animals, he's begging and pleading for others. Come on, please get in. Please get in now. The time has come. God gave the commandment. Let's move into the ark. And the people didn't listen. Just as they do today. As we beg and plead, the time is now. The time is now. Don't put it off any longer. The time is now. The time is now. Don't put off salvation. The time is now. You ever done anything for Christ, Christians? The time is now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. The time is now. God's not on our time schedule. He's on his. And let me, let me, let me, let me just give you just a little bit more here and we're done. He's coming. I don't know when. I don't know the hour. But I know he's coming. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Have you redeemed the time wisely that God has allowed you to have? If you're lost in here today, I beg and plead with you to come. We'll take the Bible and show you how you can be saved. We can show you how you can have life, eternal life, in a place called heaven, forever and ever. I'm going to leave you with the verse again in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for the message that you laid upon my heart. I thank you, Lord, for your truths that are in your word. And I thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Because there is no other hope in anyone else, Lord. It is only through Jesus Christ that gives us hope, peace, and eternity in heaven with you. And Heavenly Father, as I pray now, Lord, I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice is saved. But Lord, I feel in my hearts of hearts, Lord, this morning that someone here does not know you as a personal Savior. 
Lord, they haven't redeemed that time yet, but yet you've given them enough grace and enough time to right now to hear the message that was preached this morning. Lord, this message was geared directly toward them, and they know who they are. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask one question.